Hello and welcome back to episode 16 of the Game Biz Podcast. I am your host, Poe, and for the first news item of the week that we have is Fortnite's cash cow is PlayStation and not iOS court document reveals. This is by Jay Peters from The Verge. So as we're clo- inching closer towards the Epic versus Apple court cases, we're getting more financial information on Fortnite and also seeing Epic's business strategy more and more clearly as ever before. I'm going to be reading this part from The Verge article. Even though iOS Fortnite players brought in a staggering amount of money for Epic, $700 million, iOS isn't the biggest platform in terms of revenue for the game. Apparently, it might even be among the smallest. Court documents reveal that PlayStation 4 generated 46.8% of Fortnite's total revenue from March 2018 through July 2020, while Xbox One, the second highest revenue, platform generated 27.5%. iOS ranked 5th with just 7% of total revenue. The remaining 18.7% would be split between Android, Nintendo Switch, and PCs. In 2020, iOS revenues were projected to be an even smaller piece of the pie, just 5.8% compared to 24% of Xbox One and almost 40% for PlayStation 4 according to a new deposition. Joe Babcock, Epic CFO, explicitly confirmed that the iOS version of Fortnite earned less revenue month-to-month than PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PCs. I think we have some very interesting information here, and I think this gives more of a counter and perspective towards the Apple's argument that Epic is actually losing business. Like, they're saying uh, Epic is losing more money by giving games for free on the PC side and they and that they need Apple's platform revenue of 700 million and should be glad that they're taking 30% cut from them since you know they're way better at so-called managing the platform well we now know that actually the mobile devices while maybe a lot of players on there they aren't the ones spending the most and in fact they are spending the least when it comes to consoles and PC counterparts as someone who, you know, sides in spirit with Epic here and what they're trying to fight for, which is better deals for the developers, of course, themselves as well. Epic is also doing this for themselves. Don't forget that, guys. But it will also benefit a lot of others. And I have to remind myself not to get carried away since Apple is a trillion dollar company and they'll have more money to burn than Epic. So... Nothing will probably change from this, but it's still interesting. Like, it's still intriguing to get these statistics and to actually know that PlayStation is kind of the super cash cow for Epic. Um, With 160 million PS4s out there, I guess it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. You know, I just didn't actually think mobile PC, mobile phone gamers spent this little. Um, And of course, I'll, I'll continue to give updates on this event whenever something pops up since the final decision will likely be a big impact on gaming for, you know, mobile platforms and probably other other platforms as well. Um, but that remains to be seen. And okay, so this next news, and I purposely placed this after Epic Story, and I'm sure you'll see why, because the next news is Microsoft shakes up PC gaming by reducing Windows Store cut to just 12%. 
This is reported by Tom Warren from The Verge. So starting August 1st, Microsoft will be cutting its revenue share for games on Windows from 30% to 12%, mirroring the revenue shares that Epic is doing. Quote, game developers are at the heart of bringing great games to our players, and we want them to to find success on our platforms, says Matt Booty, head of Xbox Game Studios at Microsoft. A clear no-strings-attached revenue share means developers can bring more games to more players and find greater commercial success from doing so. These changes will only affect PC games and not Xbox console games in Microsoft Store. Okay, so what this move signifies to me, at least, is that, you know, they're actually going to be taking the PC side of the business more serious now. Like, we we all know Xbox Game Pass is an awesome, awesome thing. And, you know, there's also the PC side for Game Pass, but I feel like that's has, that has always been neglected, you know? Um, and that is the main reason I haven't been bothered with signing up for, like, the essentially one-month free trial um, is because of the PC Xbox Game Pass and, you know, PC Microsoft Store in general is just kind of so gimped. It's it's just not good. And, you know, one of the examples I actually found online, someone saying this, was, and I double-checked it, was Psychonauts, which is a double-fine game, and now it's owned by Xbox. But you can't buy it through the Microsoft Store. You can own, You can buy it through the Steam Store, but not through the Microsoft Store. Psychonauts 2, you can pre-order it on the Steam store, but not the Microsoft store. And they own the bloody IP. They own the IP. It's very good that they're tackling the issues of games, and the thought process is good with getting developers' revenues up to match Epic's competitive standards. It'll definitely more likely entice developers to put their games on Microsoft stores now. But it's very clear that they're missing more than just the games. I think they are even more behind on Epic, and they've had Microsoft Store for way longer, and also have, you know, more money in their pockets. But they've never really done anything to improve the store, at least the, from the my perspective, the way I see it. Some say this will put pressure on Steam, but I would likely say that until the time Microsoft Store is actually usable for someone like me who can't even be bothered to download it and even give it even give the Game Pass for PC a try it's not even really a competitor yet you know they have much to fix but this is a good strong move and it shows that they are determined to support the PC platform in their blog post they also promise that they will improve their client for Game Pass on PC improves install reliability and faster download speeds over the coming months with more details soon. And also additionally, we now know that Halo Infinite will support crossplay and cross-progression across PC and Xbox, which is fantastic. In second news, we have some interesting data from developers. This was collected in the 2021 State of the Industry survey shows Pandemic brought delays, but also growth. So, the Games Developer Conference, or GDC, today released its annual State of the Industry Survey, which is on April 29th, um, showing an uptick in the number of respondents who have seen their projects delayed as a result of the pandemic. 
Of the more than 3,000 developers who answered the survey, 44% responded that their current game have had been delayed due to COVID-19. 49% said their games haven't been delayed, while the remaining 7% didn't have a game project at the time of the survey. Despite the delays, many developers are actually finding themselves more effective when working from home. When asked how remote work has impacted them, 35% said it greatly or somewhat increased their creativity and or productivity. 32% said there hadn't been much change, while the other 32% said their creativity and or productivity had greatly or somewhat decreased. I wonder if the... Um, 35% increase in productivity remote, working remote will is actually canceling out the 32% decrease in productivity. Um, or could this actually be more of a sign of indies coming out, being more prepared and showing that they're able to adapt faster than the bigger AAA companies? Again, I'd like to point out the, um, the article uh, by Imram Khan named One Year Later, How the Pandemic Has Affected the Video Game Industry. Um, you can actually read that on Fanbyte right now. Um, it was an article that I'd also recommended in, in a previous episode. So there in the, in the article, it talks about how many indie studios were actually thriving under this remote working situation better than the bigger companies. Some other interesting details from the GDC survey were like, uh, this one where it says only 3% of those polled thinks that the 30 to 70 revenue share on digital storefronts is justified. And that's been down from last year's 6%. Um, the other one is Sony's PlayStation 5 is leading developer interest when it comes to game consoles. 44% of those polled said PlayStation 5 is the platform they're most interested in right now, followed by Nintendo Switch at 38% and Xbox Series X and S at 30%. And among all platforms, the PC-led developer interest for yet another year at 58%. All right, and that is the news that we have for this week. And let me just go ahead and go to a very quick break before we start the topic of the week. This week, we got some juicy, juicy data from both Sony and Microsoft on their respective console quarterly and fiscal earnings records. So I think this will actually be making a, a good reoccurring topic of the week so that I can just sit down here, go through some data points for you, you know, discuss how I think they have both managed. Um, also, yeah, maybe I'll add uh, Nintendo in with this as well, um, but they usually don't uh, coincide with each other. Usually it's only Sony and Microsoft. Anyways, I promise it's not because I can't think of a new topic of the week and this gives me like a good excuse to just be a filler. That's not it, guys. That's not it. Okay, then let's start with Microsoft, shall we? So Microsoft today reported its results for its fiscal third quarter or the, you know, calendar year first quarter showing the company's uh, gaming revenue of $3.53 billion dollars jumping a 50% year-over-year. Xbox content and services revenue up 34% year-over-year, driven by strong software sales plus Game Pass subscription growth. Xbox hardware was up 232% year-over-year due to Series X and S demands. They also highlighted that it has been a strong year for their flagship title, 
Minecraft, who would have thunk it, right? With monthly active users up by 30% year over year, almost to 140 million players. Company has generated 350 million in player spending from the mods, add-ons, and other downloadable content inside Minecraft. Whew, crazy, crazy. So, you know, stellar results for Microsoft from its Xbox division. Indeed, they have the series consoles driving up the hardware demand and sales, uh, which should last until, you know, you know, whenever the chip shortages stop, which means mm, for the for, for the foreseeable future, I guess. And, you know, that would be the same for the PlayStation consoles for sure, which I'll talk about later. The services revenue up by over 30% year over year is no less driven mostly by Game Pass, no doubt. They didn't mention it, but the acquisition of ZeniMax has been a great contributor to Xbox's catalog for the Game Pass titles to not only getting an immediate uh, injection of stable revenue from the Game Pass subscription, but uh, also future growth potential with so many new developers under their belts that will be pumping out games for them in the future. Most definitely a well-spent $7.5 billion indeed. Lastly, I think by now people can finally see that Xbox is going a different business strategy from PlayStation. It's not Nintendo by themselves and then Xbox versus PlayStation, but all three have different strategies towards managing their future activities. And Minecraft couldn't have been a better example than that that, you, that I've just said. The game is still doing crazy output of revenue for Microsoft and it's been released on all platforms by now. Alright, moving on, let's go to PlayStation. For PlayStation, we have their fiscal year-end earnings, so not just their quarter earnings. This is courtesy from Daniel Maud on Twitter. The PlayStation 5 has sold in 7.8 million units as of March 31st, 2021. According to Sony, 3.3 million were shipped in the past quarter. Demand remains higher than supply for the PlayStation 5 since, you know, supply shortages like the Series X also comes from global chip shortage and scalpers, no less. A total of 338.9 million games were sold in for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 over the past fiscal year, ending March 31st, 2021. This includes both packaged and digital copies. 65% or 220 million were sold via digital download, higher than the 53% ratio last year. 17% or 58.4 were first-party games. The total number of PS Plus subscribers was 47.6 million as of March 31st, 2021. This is up from the 41.5 million at the same time last year. The total monthly active users for the PlayStation Network is 109 million players, and this is down from the 114 million last year, you know, due to the pandemic bump. For reference, the PS4 has sold in 7.6 million units in the same time frame. This was Sony's best year ever for its games and network service division. The game and network service segments reported revenues of 25.03 billion and 3.22 billion in profit for the fiscal year ending March 31st, 2021. The increase was due to a strong software and services sales plus the PS5 launch impact plus um you know the shortages and all that. 
Sony expects the next fiscal year to be just as strong, expects sales to be up 9% year-over-year, driven by continued strength of the PS5 launch, expect profit to be down slightly, primarily due to an increase in game development costs plus no pandemic boost, leading to an overall decrease there. Basically, last year was amazing for PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo. All gaming went up, you know, because the pandemic plus the free money, you know, for those who got it, plus the high demand and the short supply constraints. But, you know, it's impressive to know that usually during these generational console launches, Sony usually eats a loss mainly due to selling uh, consoles at a price loss. And the same goes for PS5. But because of the digital sales and PSN, they've now actually broken the cyclical loss cycle of this generation. We also know that they are going to be basically doing what they have been doing well for the future too, and that is exclusive games because they know it'll sell machines and then also drive up the the service uh, digital side of the revenue as well. So this is this was reported from BGC, and this is during the investor conference call after the earnings have been reported. Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki provided more details on the company's plans for game software investment, telling listeners it intended to enhance its software offering via both internal and external investment. Sony recently announced partnerships with the new studio from former Stadia game boss Jade Raymond, as well as investment in multiplayer game from Bungie Veterans, you know, the Firewalk Studio guys. And Totoki suggested that there could be further deals in the pipeline. Quote, We intend to increase development personnel and other in-house costs by approximately 20 billion yen or $184 million year year on year as we further strengthen our in-house software to enhance our software offering. We intend to continue investing and partnering with internal studios in addition to aggressively investing in our in-house studios. In addition, in our additional investment of Epic Games along with the rest of Sony Group, we will also be working to enhance the social and plat so social and platform capabilities of games, end quote. You know, so this pretty much fits in what I've been saying since the PS5 strategy podcast episode. You could go back and listen to it. But yeah, in-house AAA exclusives, you know, partnerships exclusives and then indie partnerships as well making the ps5 box appealing to customers and then you know tack on the digital services that they could get like psn subscription models um you know we have pc ports for the older playstation exclusives and also for the future we know they're going to be you know putting in the psvr2 and hopefully I'm hoping whatever they will be doing to revamp the PS Now service side. Basically, guys, games are doing great. So let's just stop fighting fan wars, even though I know that me saying it doesn't do anything. Just game the games you love to game. That's it. (laughs) I'll be sure to come back and report on earnings next quarter. And with that said, I'll end it here today. Thank you all for listening. If you wish to follow me, you can find me at GameBizPod on Twitter. Tune in next week for another, and I will see you later. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.